ESPN 94.1 FM at AM 930. The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now. Never FDIC. It is Friday, June 26th. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. You can join the program by calling the Miller Lite phone lines at 877-420-TALK. That is 877-420-8255. Miller Lite hold true great taste. Only 96 calories. That's why it's the original light beer. What do we got coming up today? Well, we're, we're guest-free today. It's a Friday. So it's just you and me. You can find me on social media at Paul Swan. So it's just going to be us today for the hour. Thanks for tuning in as we get your weekend set. We're still in that weird spot right now where baseball, football, basketball, hockey, are they going to get back together? Basketball getting one step closer. The NBA, they are going to um, make it happen, it looks like. But on top of that, though, the NBA and its Players Association announcing this morning that 16 of the 302 players tested for COVID-19 were positive. That is uh, 5.3% of the league's players. So some work still to be done. And, of course, uh, there's been some positive tests in the NHL as well. They're going to do something a little different, though. We'll get into that in a second. I just want to remind you, coming up tonight, it's convoluted. As can be. It's very convoluted. But the the draft lottery is happening tonight. And the NHL, the NHL is an interesting league. Because the NHL, of course, Canada, the United States, it does business. It operates in both of those countries. It's not like the NBA or the NFL with a team in Canada with the NBA and, of course, the NFL. Wouldn't it be cool if we had a Canadian NFL team? That's a different show right there. Of course, baseball as well. But you've got so much influence from both countries. And, of course, it's not necessarily an all-American sport, all-Canadian sport. There's a lot of influences. So it just comes off a little different for for some of you. If, if you're not into hockey, you don't necessarily connect with it easily because you're thinking, okay, well, well, that's different. It's sort of like me trying to watch Premier League soccer. Like, okay, um, we speak the same language, but we're also divided by it. It's that kind of vibe. Well, the NHL draft is sort of like that. It's like, okay, this is a lottery, but it's not a lot. It's weighted. What? What? Yeah, no ping-pong balls here. So watch this thing tonight on NBC Sports Network. And if the lottery goes as planned, we're not going to have to do a second because there are teams that are in the lottery that don't even know they're in the lottery just yet. For example, the New York Rangers. The Rangers are going to be in that first round to get into the second round or the, the playoff. They play in the playoff, you know, the initial games. Well, they could find themselves in the lottery – and so they could find themselves with one of the spots, but there's a marker for it. They don't know if they're in yet. They don't know if they're going to go to the next round or if they're going to go into the lottery in one of those spots, which has a weighted value. Kind of convoluted. It happens tonight. I'm going to be watching. If I sat there and watched the NFL draft, 
I'll sit through this. This is not even the draft. This is just the lottery. It's not even the ping-pongs. It's not even ping-pong balls. No. They use flashcards. It's so dramatic the way they do it, too. And by the way, uh, I love the um, I love the NFL draft, the way it's been streamlined. I mean, I felt like the NFL draft, that was the most streamlined I've seen it in a long time. The NHL draft, unless you don't have to go anywhere, skip it. Unless your team is early drafting, skip it. Because you have to have 54 people come up on stage to announce the pick. And they got to thank everybody, too. It's like an Oscar exception. It, you know, it's like if you won Best Picture, everybody comes up and makes the speech before they draft the kid. Just draft the kid. The pick is in with the first pick. Here's the kid. Make his day. Instead of making him sit there, you know, completely different. I know, and this is my favorite sport. I'm not making a good case for it right now, but this is my favorite sport. So that's what's happening. Lottery tonight. Training camps are scheduled to open up July 10th. And here's something. I don't know if I'm on board with this, but Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly, he confirmed yesterday that the league and the Players Association, uh, not considering putting teams in quarantine bubbles for those mandatory sessions, because they got sessions coming up. You actually have some mandatory sessions. If you're playing, these are mandatory. And they're not going to bubble these players. I guess they're putting it on them. Hey, you're adults. We're going to trust that you're an adult here. They're instructed to stay home when not at the rink. And they're kind of hoping that, all right, we're going to test. We're going to frequently test this thing. Um, We're going to put some health protocols in place. And we're going to try to prevent any outbreaks. But we're not quarantining. You're not bubble sitting. You know, not doing that. You just be an adult is what I'm getting from this. Now, once competition begins, they're going to be tested daily. And they're going to be isolated with each other. So at that point, they're going to be away. They're going to be in situations where they are not going to be interacting as much. They're going to be isolated. And they're going to have frequent testing during camps. So... Guess what? We're going to see if professional athletes for the National Hockey League can act professional and stay in a situation where they're not going to be exposed. And, of course, that's going to be very difficult, travel included, everything that goes with this. So they're going to have to be very vigilant and diligent in their efforts to stay healthy. Now, I've even seen some pushes, some efforts, people trying to reinforce wearing masks because – if you don't wear masks, we don't have sports. That right there, that almost should be a campaign. Look, wear your masks or no sports. That should be the ultimatum right there. Superstars should come out and say, look, wear your mask or we're not playing. Football, baseball, basketball, hockey, wear your mask or we're not playing. That should probably be the effort there. And, of course, If you could get anyone to be on the same page, it's going to, of course, be an accomplishment in itself. And since I'm on the NHL subject, I got the draft tonight, so I guess I'm a little excited. My guy, my guy, he's an MVP candidate, by the way, Artemi Panarin, the bread man, New York Ranger. You know him. You love him. He used to be a Blue Jacket. So if you're a Blue Jacket fan, you know him. 
He's my guy now. I took him away from you. Um, he actually, he came out. He's got some concerns. I mean, he's a pretty good name to come out. I mean, he's a pretty big name. He's not Alex Ovechkin big just yet, but he's a he's an up-and-comer. He's a rising name compared to some. I mean, he's pretty, pretty up there. And he comes out, he's got concerns, he says, about the health and safety of players if the season resumed. And also, while he's at it, threw in a little finance issue. Here's what he said. Players have protected the owner's income with escrow, including throughout this pandemic crisis, even as owner's equity continues to grow exponentially. He also added, It is time to fix the escrow. We as players cannot report the camp to resume play without already having an agreement in place. He said, we're all in this together. But um, he did say that uh, he was worried about the long-term prosperity of the NHL, and he's not trying to come out and say, look, we, we, we should just hold out here. But he's got concerns trying to maybe foster some conversation and get this thing done. Because after all, yeah, I know we've had the conversation. We're talking about millionaires arguing with billionaires. But at the same time, I mean, we're putting these people out there and we're risking them for our entertainment. Maybe for our sanity as well. Let's be honest. We're putting these people out there in situations that are against the norm and saying, look, we need you to perform. We need you to go out there. We need you to play sports because we need it. We need we need it. And so go do it. Go play. And no matter how many health and safety protocols you put in, if not everybody's on board or somebody breaks protocol, we can see what happens. I mean, we're seeing it now. And we'll get into a lot of that. We'll we'll talk about that. And, of course, uh, we'll get your feedback as well on Twitter today, at Paul Swan, best place you can find me there. Um, like, for example, we'll talk about it when we get back. Uh, Texas Tech, they reported a lot of football players had tested positive for COVID-19. A lot of players. Marshall was doing it right, I think. You had to isolate before you came back. You had to test before you could get in. And for the most part, I think you were really successful. You had three players ultimately test positive for COVID-19. That's pretty good. You knew that would happen as well. You you weren't expecting a perfect record, so they did everything they could. I think some other schools maybe dropped the ball. That's why it's not uniform, and we'll talk about that. And um, interesting story talking about why the finances are going to be interesting without sports. Because you're seeing more and more sporting, well, you're seeing more programs cut. Sports are being cut. And Axios did a good story. We'll talk about that. We'll get your phone calls in as well. It's The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Never miss a moment of The Drive with Paul Swan. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Welcome back to the Friday edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. 
interesting story I was reading today from Axios about universities scrambling to survive because of the fallout, the finances. They're going to be different than we're used to in college athletics because, honestly, a lot of people, and the story points this out as well, a lot of people feel that the model is broken in college athletics. And so why is it important that college athletics continue, or at least this season, if we're going to do this, why is it so important to find a way to play college football? Well, first of all, one, if you're going to fund an athletic program, you need the revenue from football. That's that's basically the crux of the matter. Without football... You don't have the finances because football is basically footing the bill. Why is football footing the bill? Because football generates the most revenue. Football has the largest potential for ticket sales. Football has the largest potential for television money. Football, of course, is also the largest sport by population. You have more student-athletes participating in football than any other sport. Of course, more scholarship money is needed. There are so many factors here, but football is the revenue sport. It's the profit sport. Some universities, for example, do generate a lot of income for basketball. For others, and in very rare cases, basketball might exceed what you generate for football, but those are the exception. Football is the sport. It's basically funding everything. And so... In the story, Axios outlines that 43 Division I teams have been eliminated in the last 12 weeks, and more than 130 programs have been cut across all NCAA levels. They did the math. 57 programs were cut in the previous three years. And here's something that I've picked up on that they picked up on as well. Men's and women's tennis hit the hardest. Volleyball's been hit a little bit as well. Why is that important? Well, in the story from Axios, 88% of American athletes in the Rio games, they played their sport in college. Not that ultimately there's not going to be a path for an Olympian, but it's just going to make it harder now. Why are we seeing certain schools cut? Why are we seeing things altered? It's the football budget. You're trying to save money for the football budget because you need the money in the football budget. It's sort of you have to feed the football budget. You have to feed football so football can feed everyone else. And you use Cincinnati for an example. They cut men's soccer in March. That's going to save 725000 That's That's a rough estimate. And according to the story... Less than Cincinnati paid football support staff. We're talking non-coaches last year. Of course, Luke Fickle, you look at how much Luke makes, the head coach, uh, $2.3 million. And so you got to spend money to make money is usually how it goes in college football. The good news for the power schools are they haven't eliminated a sports team yet. We're talking the ACC, Big 12, Big 10, Pac-12, SEC, and Notre Dame. of all the cuts, right now the power schools 
have been a little bit more fortunate. The Group of Five level, that includes Conference USA. That includes the Sun Belt, the MAC, Mountain West, AAC, Independence. Where's the problem? Now, Axios pointed out, television deals are smaller. Football programs lose money often. You see a school like UConn cutting multiple sports. And as you go down divisions, you see government money being required more and more for institutions. And, of course, also you're going to look at the accounting. According to the story, the accounting is a little different as well. For example, in football and basketball, full scholarships, vast majority, full scholarships. However, if you're using their example, swim team, for example, um, some of these athletes might be paying full tuition. A school could be generating over a million dollars because you have athletes who are on the swim team paying their own way, but that money doesn't go into the athletic budget because it's on a different spreadsheet. Interesting story, to say the least. You should check it out. It's on Axios. I, uh, I found it interesting and a little enlightening. Some of it I kind of already knew, and some of it was just more of a reinforcement. Really, Another reason why I like going to Axios is because they have the, the neat graphic. Is that a way to describe a graphic, the neat graphic? They had a nice graphic. There you go. We'll say that. Which really, if you, if you pull it up, and you don't get distracted by the pretty colors, what you'll find is a chart that really outlines the difference where schools get their money. For example... What do you think the power of schools are getting percentage-wise for the money? TV deals, for one. TV deals. If you look at the numbers and you look at media rights, for example, the power of schools are getting a good portion of their money from media rights. And that means a smaller portion of their revenue sources coming from what is consider government or institutional support. So Division One Power Five, media money, really large. Government or institutional support, small. Ticket sales are sort of in the middle at the power schools. Student fees, very small. And then they have a category called other. And I'm going to throw other in as donations, boosters, that kind of money. And of course, this is all from the NCAA research. You can you can look that up. You compare it to Division I non-power schools. Media rights are smaller. The majority of the revenue sources, government or institutional support. This is across the board. Each school could vary differently. But across the board, media rights are small. And the institutional support or government support, much greater. Ticket sales are smaller. Ticket sales are going to be smaller across the board. There's just no way to compete with the potential of an Ohio state if you're, say, Ohio, for example. You're not going to sell 100,000 tickets if you're Ohio. That's not a a slight on Ohio, but... You look at what Ohio State is, it's a massive monster when it comes to college football. And 
You've got the seating capacity. You've got the demand. Not so much at Peden. I like watching a football game at Peden, but it's not 100,000 fans screaming on top of you. Then you look at student fees. This is where you see across the board at every level, for the most part, except for the Power 5 schools, you see Division One schools living with a bigger chunk of student fees. So the student fees are a big, big chunk here across the board. Again, each school may vary, but student fees, it's weighted higher than ticket sales at most of these non-Power 5 division schools. Other, it's a larger number than student fees. It's not as large, though, as maybe government institutional support across the board. So you look at that number, you're mostly getting your money from either institutional support, one, other, which I'm throwing in as donations and boosters and, and sort of monies, then student fees, then media rights, which is very small, and then ticket sales. If you're a, a Division One school in FCS, it's even worse. Media rights are very small. Government institutional support, maybe half, if not more. Student fees are very small. Student fees at FCS level, smaller than the student fees at the Division I non-Power 5 level, and then other is also very small. Again, we're talking about some institutions that are much smaller. Smaller schools, smaller revenue opportunities, so you're not seeing the booster support as much. You're not seeing maybe the student fees or the ticket sales as much. You're getting most of your support from the institution or government support. And then you get to Division Two with football. Division Two with football. Media numbers, very minuscule. Most of the support is institutional. So that's where the money's coming from. That's where the money's coming from. And so you see why a lot of people in these programs are scrambling to try to figure out what to do to make this work. And it's different at every institution. What happens at one school, not necessarily what happens at another school. What one fee structure looks like is different at another school. What one budget looks like is different at another school. So these are generalizations based on the total, but some programs are cutting where they can, and they're using this as an opportunity to maybe cut programs that someone has deemed either too costly, dead weight, not viable. I'm sure there have been thoughtful discussions about this, and I'm sure there have been knee-jerk reactions to all of this. And of course, you haven't seen that at Marshall, and that's the good news. You haven't seen that at Marshall. But a season is guaranteed in some form to help with the budget shortfall. If there's no football, it's going to be pretty dire. I think that's a fair statement. But again, at least we know that Marshall has been smart about this. They have started to plan for this. And so... That's a worst-case scenario, no football. And there's some have even suggested pushing football back to spring because we don't know what 
the next few months are going to look like. Because as of right now, West Virginia was declared a hot spot because cases are rising. Cases are rising. We've had record highs of cases. This is wave one, a lot of the experts tell us, and we're seeing spikes and surges again. And so we don't know what the next few months are going to look like. No one can answer that question. Today is Friday, June 26th. We don't know what happens in late August. We don't know what happens in September or October or November. We don't know. Do you skip football? Can you get basketball in? So many questions to ask and so many questions to answer. And today we don't know. We won't know tomorrow. We won't know on Monday when we come back. We just won't know. We're taking it day by day. We'll get your phone calls in at 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. More coming up on The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're taking Paul Swan everywhere. Download or subscribe to The Drive with Paul Swan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For those of you listening on the podcast, thank you. And don't forget, leave us a positive review if you're on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, if you're listening to us live, thanks for tuning in to the Friday edition here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I told you earlier, the Texas Tech's athletic department reporting a large number of football players or staff had tested positive for COVID-19. 23. That was the number, 23. 21 among them now considered recovered. That's the good news. The good news also is that they were able to catch these positive tests. And, of course, hopefully these young men, these staff workers, were able to get whatever treatment is available to them to help them with this. And, of course, we know varying degrees here for most people. Fortunately, they can recover from this. For a lot of people, though, is uh, it's a different story altogether, and that's why we're trying to be careful. But 23, and they had 197 tests performed. Nobody required hospitalization, according to the report. That's the good news here. And they were bringing players back to campus June 15th for the voluntary workouts. What happens when we get to football season, not practice, not workouts, football season. And then we have a situation where there's an outbreak. Because again, my question is, how do you how do you do this? Each institution is going to be different. Some institutions are going to require a face masks. Some institutions are going to have distant learning. There's going to be a mix of both. The procedures are going to be across the board different for, I'm sure, every single athletic department. Most will be on the side of caution. Maybe some won't be as good. Some will be exceedingly good. It's going to vary. Hopefully, across the board, everything's fine. But what do we get to that point where, okay, we've got football coming up this Saturday, and you got 23 players test. What happens? And so that's why it's been pushed. Maybe you do this in spring. You Maybe you start this thing in spring. And instead of having hope you can get the season, you have a season in spring. And I don't know if that can be pulled off, what the logistics of that would look like across the board. 
I'm sure it'd be pretty difficult, but it is a proposal that has been thrown out there. And of course, some programs are just throwing in the towel completely. Here's another one. Morehouse Athletic Director David Thomas informed the community in a statement that Morehouse College not going to participate in intercollegiate athletic competition sponsored by the NCAA and the Southern Intercollegiate Athletic Conference this upcoming fall. That's going to impact cross-country and football. Here's what he added. He told the scholar-athletes, their parents and alumni, the university is going to honor all athletic scholarship awards. So the good news is, if you want to continue here at the institution, at the at the college, you want to stay here, we've got you. You don't have to worry about that. You're not going to play football. You're not going to be in cross country. You're not going to have that. But you've got a scholarship. If you've got a scholarship, it's good. Okay, that's fine. I, I completely get that. I'm on board with that here. Um, they don't know what they're going to do with the sports that are played in winter and spring yet. They haven't made that decision. But at least that's better than we're not going to play anymore. We're going to cut a program. And that's devastating. Remember a few months ago how devastating things were for a lot of student athletes? We continue down that path. That's got to be devastating. You're thinking, okay, we're going to have a football season, or I hope we have a football season. And then you find out, well, others might, you won't. And if you're going to Morehouse, if you're going to Morehouse, do you look around? Do you think, okay, I need to go somewhere else? Or do you go to Morehouse because you have the opportunity to play sports at the same time? You're going to get an education from Morehouse. Morehouse College, you're going to get a good education at Morehouse College. Are you going to start looking around? Because it's not going to be guaranteed that there's going to be opportunity elsewhere as well. The transfer portal is not a guarantee at any time that you're going to be able to find a place to land. So I'm sure it's going to be very disappointing for those student-athletes not to have that opportunity. Are we going to get to that point where you need to make those decisions at the Division One level? I don't think we're going to see football not happen. I just don't know in what form it's going to be. I still think it's happening. A few weeks ago, I didn't think we were going to have it. But I see where we're heading and what is at stake. And I'll see somehow, I just I see somehow, somebody's going to find a way to do this. Now, I, I might not agree with it. I might think it's the best plan possible. But you're going to have to get the student-athletes on board with this. And you're going to have to make sure that you're doing a lot of testing here. That's where we're at on a daily basis here. And I wish we had something else to really dive into. Because honestly, right now, 2020 has been the worst year possible for for all of us on so many levels. It's like, can we hit the reset button? Can we go to 2021? Can we restart 2020? Because we are seeing some dynamic changes, not just from seeing systems fail to opinions change, opinions polarize, to people seeing for the first time difficulties they maybe haven't seen before. 
so many things right now, and that's that's why again we we kind of push for sports. We hope it can come back. We're pushing for it as maybe just an outlet for us to go for a while. But in the grand scheme of things here, you know, I don't know. That's where we're at. Final segment coming up. It's The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. The Drive with Paul Swan. Marshall Athletic Director Mike Hamrick. He knows. Paul's the best. On ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm going to be quite upfront honest with you. I missed that guy. We had him on a couple weeks ago. I would have been at a, a Marshall spring practice. Uh, Hamrick would have come into the press box, give me the business, and I would have, I would have smiled gladly. Welcome back to the drive on ESPN ninety four point one FM and AM nine thirty. I'm your host Paul Swan. It's Friday, as we're getting you set for the weekend. And big story came out today: Oregon and Oregon State made the announcement that the term "civil war." will no longer be used to promote athletic competitions between the two schools. So however they're going to brand themselves in the future, it's not going to be Civil War, and it starts today. It starts right now. This is what OSU President Ed Ray said in a statement. Changing the name is overdue as it represents a connection to a war fought to perpetuate slavery. The decision made, discussion with both institutions were ongoing, and they've got some input from some current and former student-athletes as well. According to Oregon's release, they put a lot of thought into this. And when they get back together, which will be the 124th annual football game against one another, it'll be in November if they can get this thing to go. It's the fifth most games played between the same schools in college football history. And you think, well, this is civil war. The civil war is, you know, you've got a fight in, in a country. There have been civil wars across the globe. So you're, you're thinking just innocently enough, right? Are you thinking that? I mean, what do you think when you think of the civil war? Do you think the broad term, oh, okay, it's, you know, it's brother against brother. And then you start thinking about it. Well, you know, the Civil War, when I think Civil War, of course, we have a a jingoistic approach to to everything. We have, I don't want to say a narrow worldview, but when you say Civil War, you're thinking, of course, the war between the states, United States and the Confederate States of America. Do you see that term, and you think the Civil War. And so you have a game that promotes itself as this is the Civil War between these two schools, and there's that connotation, there's that negative connotation, because what was the Civil War about? Some would argue, oh, it's states' rights. It was a states' rights issue. Some would argue it was a slavery issue. And you can go down the line of people who have different views of that conflict and what the issues are. And, of course, if you even throw in the lost cause narrative, the revisionist history, slavery was a a major focus of this conflict. It was what turned the tide for a lot of people in this conflict. Unfortunately, 
a lot of imagery continues from that conflict. Civil War, of course, a moniker that these two schools have used for over a long, well, a long time. I, I don't know if it's been going on for 124 games. I, I don't know. But it's been going on for a long time. And so with where we're at now as a society and understanding more and more how certain things impact other people, they're taking the opportunity to change the name. And here's an opportunity. You could come up with something really cool. I mean, you could come up with something really cool if you're going to name, the, name this. I don't know what that's going to be, but that's that's an opportunity, though, right there. I mean, you, you got to name a rivalry. And if you're not going to use Civil War anymore, you're not going to you, just throw that out. It's gone. What do you call this thing here? What's what's something that you could could really come up with? It's got to be cool. I mean, Marshall and Ohio have got the battle for the bell. Okay. Not in love with it. I'm probably in the minority on that. And if that's the case, that's fine. I'm not going to fight it. Not a big fan of the trophy either. I like the schools playing each other. Okay, battle for the bell in football. Yeah, what do you call all the other? Because again, Marshall and Ohio, you think of Marshall's rivals and you bring up Ohio. But again, Ohio and Miami are the big rivals. Marshall is maybe a secondary rival to Ohio. I mean, Marshall and Moorhead, the war on I-64. Okay, that's cool. War on I-64. It rhymes. Maybe I use it more because it was used back in the day. Maybe it's not used as much because Moorhead and Marshall don't play each other in football. It's not a thing. hasn't been a thing in a long time. What do you call this thing? Where do you go? And what do you come up with that's going to be distinct and memorable and completely opposite of what you've been calling it for a long time now. 100 Miles of Hate. I love that. Between Western and Middle, 100 Miles of Hate. It's definitely not the 100 Miles of Love. Never going to be. But 100 Miles of Hate. I love that. That's definitely a a fantastic rivalry name. Uh, And by the way, uh, Moonshine Moonshine Throwdown is not a good name. Stop perpetuating it. It's terrible as we carry on with today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Uh, Not endorsing Moonshine Throwdown between Marshall and Western Kentucky. Where's the moonshine? Where's the moonshine? But, okay, you, you call it what you want. I'm not calling it that. We'll call it what you want. I, mean, I don't think the universities endorse that name. You know, Marshall and Western Kentucky needs, need to come out and say, "Look, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna go all in on this rivalry thing here. What? Here's what we're gonna call it. Here's what we're gonna name it. Just go all out on it. Make it a thing. I mean, make it, make it a. Just go all in on it. Get the two schools to come up with something and, and let them go at it. It's a fun. It's a fun get together when you play against Western Kentucky. It's really good." It's not like Marshall and Kentucky and soccer. Though. That, that's a rivalry, by the way. I, I never thought I would say that, but uh, UK and Marshall, big rivals in a sport. Yes, yeah, soccer. Rivalry names are important. And for these two schools to take an opportunity to change a longstanding name because they believe it's the right thing to do, 
I'm not going to say it takes courage. I'm not going to say anything like that. But understand that's been a significant thing for these two schools for a long time and for them to get together and say, look, we need to change this. It's the right thing to do. Yeah, I definitely think their their heads and hearts are in the right place when they when they evaluate this. To do a self evaluation, because again, we're in times now where we're having more conversations and more open dialogues about hey, these things they're commonplace, but doesn't mean they're right. And hopefully, these dialogues will continue for a long time to come. And with that said. Uh, we're about out of time. Don't forget, if you miss any part of the day's show, all you have to do is go and get us on the podcast. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, wherever you get your podcast, is where you're going to find today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We'll be back on Monday to restart your week. Have a great weekend, everyone. home of the Marshall Thundering Herd and The Drive with Paul Swan, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.